Hope everybody has got some energy, and uh, believe it or not, we are in June, everybody. Can you believe that? We are in the month of June. The year is almost halfway over. 2020 dragged on. 2021, man, it is flying. And so, it, you know, hopefully, uh, if you haven't enjoyed 2021 yet, don't worry, it's going to be over soon. I mean, it is going fast. Wow. Man, it's going fast. But we hope it's been a great, great 2021 for you. We're coming out. Uh, we keep praying that we're coming out of this pandemic that we have all been dealing with, not only here in our country, uh, but across the world. I uh, still want everyone to remain vigilant when it comes to uh, making sure you're taking care of yourself health-wise, but we're excited about what the future holds. And that's why we've been talking, we've been talking for the last few weeks about this idea of living in the sweet spot of life, it's the joy of a promised land life. It's that sweet spot that's right there, right there in that good part of the bat where when you hit the ball, you don't even feel it. You don't even feel it because, man, it, it was just a perfect swing. It was a perfect hit. You swing the golf club and you hit it just in that right area and you want to let everybody know because you feel so good about the hit that you just had. And I truly believe that there is a life that God intends for his people to enjoy and it is a sweet spot kind of life. And I truly believe, and we're going to talk about this as we go on forward today, that the best days of your walk with God are still in front of you. They're not behind you. It's not even what's going on right now. And you might look and say, man, I, I, I think right now is probably the highest that I've ever been spiritually. It's the closest with God that I've ever been. I'm in the Word more now. I'm praying more now. It seems like I'm in tune with God's purpose more now than I ever have been in my life. Well, here's the good news. I really think it can get even better. I do. The best days of your life are still ahead of you when it comes to your walk with God. And so we, we've been talking about this whole idea. And, and last week we talked about how that it's so important to trust God during times of transition. And that's when it's very difficult. It's hard to trust God during times of transition because we feel like we're in this no man's land, no woman's land, no person land, where we just, we just feel like that we don't know which way to go. We're not in Egypt anymore, but we're also not yet, it appears, in Canaan. And during these moments of uncertainty is when we truly need to trust God the most. And if the Hebrews had not trusted Jehovah God and, and his representative Joshua, you know, they never would have entered into the promised land that you read about there in the book of Joshua, in your Old Testament. They never would have achieved the inheritance after the death of Moses. And the same is true for us. We said last week that we have everything we need to be everything that God desires. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life, we're told in Scripture. But we must be willing to trust that God has an inheritance for all of us to claim. We must trust that, that we have the same inheritance of, as Christ. We need to trust that the blessings that Christ enjoys, we have those same blessings. They're our blessings. That the relationship that Christ enjoys with the Father, we enjoy. That whatever Christ has, we have. And because we share in these blessings as co-heirs with Christ, well, that means that during times of transition, we can still have hope and we can still be at peace because God never changes. And our inheritance is secure. You see, Moses may be dead and the people may be in a period of transition, but the promise still lives. And because the Hebrews understood this promise, whether we read in Joshua chapter 3, and I encourage you to open up your Bibles, get out your phone, and turn on that Bible app, and we're going to stay mainly there in Joshua chapter 3 today. 
But here's what it says in verse 1. That early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites, they left Acacia Grove and they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River. Now the reason that I want you to go ahead and I want you to open your Bibles and I want you to see this is because I believe that Joshua chapter 3 is more than just history. I believe that Joshua chapter 3 speaks to your life and it speaks to our life as a church community. You see, you had approximately 2 million people who were standing there on the edge of a 500-year-old promise. There they were on the banks of the Jordan. For generations, the descendants of Abraham have dreamt about this particular moment. They have prayed about this particular time in history. And now here they were. They were one river crossing away from the dream becoming the reality. And maybe you find yourself in a similar position this morning. You've dreamed of a fresh start. You've dreamed of retirement. You've dreamed of picking up the pieces and moving on. You've dreamed of putting aside destructive habits. You've, you've dreamed of beginning a new life, one that's filled with joy and faith and love. Or you've dreamed about a new ministry. You've dreamed of a greater kingdom impact. You've dreamed of fulfilling a calling. What dream is it that God has placed inside your heart? I mean, you feel the tug of God's Spirit on your soul. And you know that something needs to change. You know that there's another step that you need to take. You're standing on the banks of your own Jordan wondering, well, what's it going to take to take that next step? To step into the role of service, to, to step out of an unhealthy relationship. Now look, it's not the surging river that stands in your way. It's the fear of the unknown, right? It, it, it's, the, it's the struggle of faith. It's a questioning heart that stands in your way today. It's an, maybe an unsupportive friend group. It's a shaky financial situation. It's an uncertain future. What is it going to take to get you to where God desires for you to be? Beyond this moment in time. Beyond this place right here and now. That's what we're going to look at just for the next few minutes. And I want you to be here this morning and I want you to be in the midst of this lesson and I want you to put yourself on the banks of the Jordan. And I want you to consider, again, what is it going to take for you to take that next step? Well, I think the first thing is going to be involved. We're going to have to have a change of focus. Look at Joshua, again, chapter 3. It says, early the next morning, Joshua, all the Israelites, left Acacia Grove. They arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. And in verse 15, it says, it was the harvest season. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks. For three days, the Hebrews had to sit and listen as the sounds of the turbulent river, due to the melting snows atop Mount Hermon, caused the Jordan to swell its banks. Now, normally, the Jordan was 30 or 40 yards wide and maybe about six feet deep. But Joshua was told to enter Canaan during harvest season, which meant that the Jordan, the one that we greeted the Israelites, had swelled to most likely a mile in width. And so for three days they waited. Now that's a plenty of time to begin asking questions, right? That's plenty of time to begin looking at your neighbor and saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, how are we going to get across? Are we going to build boats? Is there going to be a bridge? How are we going to get to the other side? How are we going to get our children there? How are we going to get the elderly across? All these real and hypothetical questions must have caused the Israelites to realize that alone their dream would never be accomplished. So what were they to do? Well, the answer came on the third day when the Israelite officers went through the camp giving instructions to the people. 
And they said, when you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Friends, when it's time to pass through impassable waters, God's plan is really simple. You focus on him and not on the river. You focus on God and not on the river. They were not going to wait until the water went down. They were not going to wait for conditions to be optimal and for everything to be right and for all the money to be there in the savings account. They, all the puzzle pieces were not going to fit neatly into place. When the Ark of the Covenant was going to be carried toward the Jordan, the people were to go and follow. Now understand, the Ark was a small rectangular box that was commissioned by God and it contained three special artifacts for the Hebrew people. You had unspoiled manna, you had... Aaron's rod, and there were the stone tablets that had been given to Moses by God. There was a heavy gold plate that was there on top of the ark that was called the mercy seat. And this served as a lid, and there were these two gold cherubim on each side with outstretched wings facing each other with their heads looking down at the golden lid. The ark of the covenant was God's presence and God's power among the people. And so when the people were told, look, when the ark moves, you move, what they're being told is when God gets up and when God starts walking, you get behind him. And you follow. And guys, isn't that great advice for us today? With so many different competing voices vying for our attention, we so often struggle to determine the best course for our life. I mean, it seems that every day there's a new blog or, or podcast or there's a new talking head or there's this new YouTube video or Instagram influencer that promises to get us across the river of life. Follow me, they say, and you will discover your best self. And have you heard that before? There's a lot of, a lot of talk about finding your best self and, and being your best you. But I want you to get something this morning. God's desire is not to make you the best version of you. It is for you to become the best imitation of Christ. See, your goal is not to, to find out, well, who am I on the inside? And, and, and who is it that, that I really need to be? And how can I express myself fully? And, and how can I be the one that I think that I am made to be? And God says, that's not the point. The point is to look more and more like Jesus. And that means the conditions might, always, might not always be the best. It means that the puzzle pieces might not always fit. You know, your river, your river could be overflowing its banks, and, and still God says, I want you to follow me. I want you to focus on me and not the river. God says, don't dwell on the money and don't dwell on the sickness. And don't dwell on the move that you're contemplating. Don't listen to the critics. Don't pay any attention to the naysayers. When you see me move toward the river, you follow. And, and, and don't lose focus. Because just like the Hebrews, you've never been this far before. The people were told, keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. They didn't know where to go. 
I mean, they could see the water. They saw the river. They knew they had to get across to the other side, but they did not know the best route. They did not know how they were going to cross it. They've never experienced this before. They didn't know, and neither do we. And because we've never been this way before, because we've never been here before, because we've never been out here without our parents, because we've never been without our spouse, because we've never been without our, our small group, we can be tempted to follow just the most popular and the loudest voice in the room. But it's why we read earlier today from Proverbs. We're reminded by the rise writer that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. The simple, and the simple just believe anything, but the prudent. Give thought to their steps. And that leads us to the next thing that needs to happen before we can enter the promised land of life. You and I must prepare our heart before we begin the journey. Prepare a heart. There's something about us on the inside that we need to get right and ready. We're told in verse 5 that Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, sanctify, some translations say, For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Now before their meeting with God on Sinai in Exodus 19, a previous generation of Hebrews were told similar things. For them, it involved washing all their garments and their bodies as well and abstaining from anything that would make them ceremonial and unclean. It was a time of physical preparation that pointed in anticipation to a spiritual expectation. Jehovah God was about to do something. There was something going to happen that was amazing in their midst and in their presence. And the people were told, you need to get your hearts right. You need to get ready. Mind, body, and soul was to be focused solely on God. You see, their outward actions of consecration were symbolic of their inner sanctification. What was going on on the outside was showing their desire to be changed on the inside. And it's one of the reasons why when a person chooses to recognize Jesus Christ as Savior, that they are immersed in water, declaring their faith in Him. See, the outward act of baptism symbolizes the inner submission of mind, body, and soul. The heart is being prepared for an amazing work of God because God is about to do something. It's also why, it's why individuals potentially facing their final days because of sickness or threat of battle will participate in the taking of communion, bread, and wine. The heart is being prepared for the journey. God's about to do something. And they want to be ready. Guys, as you consider taking the next step of faith, And I don't know what that is for you. I I don't know where it is that that you are thinking about stepping toward. I don't know about that dream that's necessarily in your soul. Maybe it's stepping into God's family. Maybe it's saying, you know what, I, I I need to have a spiritual community that I call home. Maybe it's stepping up to maturity in that Yeah, you've been hit or miss, and there are times you're with a church body, but it really hasn't made a lot of difference in your family or hasn't made a lot of difference in just your your regular everyday life, and there needs to be a maturity that grows where Christ is something more than 
more than just Sunday in your life. But maybe, maybe it's stepping out to ministry that you realize, you know, it's, it's more than just this building and that there are people out there who are hurting, who need the message of Jesus Christ and, and who need to be shown the compassion of Christ. If you're looking to take that next step of faith, first prepare your heart. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in, in worship before you make that next big decision. Before you approach your river's edge, immerse yourself in Scripture and meditate and, and chew on it day and night. Maybe you need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Maybe you need to submit yourself fully and wholly to God. You see, I don't want anybody here, I don't want anybody who's watching us online to miss out on God's blessings because you failed to prepare your heart. Because I firmly believe that God is getting ready to do something amazing in your life. And I believe that God is getting ready to do something amazing in the life of this church family. But our hearts have to be ready to receive it. And so finally, guys, if you want to walk on dry ground, you've got to be willing to step into the water. You've got to be willing to get your feet wet. You've got to be willing to take that step, even though it scares you to death. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now get this, a chosen band of priests, and picture it, they're robed in white, they're walking toward the river. They carry the ark of the covenant with poles that ran through corner rings. And word began to spread throughout the Hebrew camp, that the ark was on the move and the people began to rise up and there was this great anticipation. And they watched as, as the men who carried the ark, they got further and further away and the men got farther and they got smaller as they went off into the distance. And the closer that the priest got to the Jordan, <laughs> now put yourself in their shoes for a minute, the closer that they got to the Jordan, they could not see any signs of the river stopping. Now look, their instructions had been clear. They had been told in verse 8, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, you go and stand in the river. <laughs> All of a sudden they're like, now why did I sign up to be a priest? I, mean, why? I know it sounded good, my parents were really happy about it, and it was great. Uh, there they are. They get 20 feet, they get 10 feet away, five feet away from the water's edge, and the current is still raging. And so what do they do? Do they trust in their senses, or do they trust in their Savior? Do, do they believe their fear, or do they believe their faith? What have you been doing? You know, it's vacation season, and I can remember as a kid going on vacation with my parents, and, and I'm my only child, so I didn't have anybody to argue with in the back seat about, you know, where we're going to stay and what we're going to do and all those kind of things, right? I know it explains a lot. Those of you that have not known me long, you're like, oh, only child. Yeah, I get it. But I always wanted to go stay someplace that had a swimming pool, right? 
I mean, there used to be motels that didn't have swimming pools. You guys know this? I mean, they really were. Um, and, and I always wanted to stay in the swimming pool, but here was the thing. I was afraid of the water. Yeah, I mean, I had my floaties in the trunk, all right? I mean, the floaties are in the trunk, but I'm like, Dad, you got to stop somewhere that has a swimming pool. And so we would get to wherever it was that, that we were going, and, and we would start driving around town looking for this, you know, motel that would have a swimming pool out front. And there was someone like, oh, that's a small one now. We need a big one. And, and then here was the one, and some of you guys will remember this. If you drove by and there was a swimming pool with a slide, money right there, Right? I mean, I didn't care how much it cost. I wasn't paying. There's a place, and they got a slide. Now, I wasn't going to use it. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to get all that and go sliding down into some kind of deep water or nothing. No. But, man, it looked so cool. And I would get there, and we would find a place, and there would be a pool, and we would go in. The first thing, I'm like, I'm going through the suitcase, and I'm trying to find my, my swim trunks, and I'm, I'm getting out the floaties, and I'm getting ready. I'm like, Dad, come on. We got to go, because I wasn't going by myself. I'm like, come on. Come on. We got to go. And so Dad reluctantly, I mean, you know, he was like, uh, he, you know, he'd check his watch. He was like, when was the last time we ate? Has it been 30 minutes? Let me think, you know. Uh, so he's trying to figure out any way he can to delay. Finally, we get down to the pool, and he gets in. He's like, all right, let's go. And there I am on the edge. All right, this is great. And I start walking around the edge, right? I'm checking out the pool. All right, got that number three right there. Got the number eight right over here. All right, and I walk over, and there would be that slide, you know, and I would check out. I, I, would, I would pull on the, the railing a little bit, you know, the steps. All right, good and sturdy. It's always good. I'd check to make sure the water was flowing down the slide. You know, it always had that water that was going down there. All right, get back around to my dad, who's in that three feet water. You know, he, there he is, six feet tall, three feet water. I'm like, he's like, all right, come on, jump. Let's go. Let's get in there. I'm like, I think I'm going to use the stairs. <laughs> he's like, no. He wouldn't let me use the stairs. He wouldn't let me just go and, 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 and touch my foot in the water to get in. He was like, you're jumping in. And I'm pretty sure one time he said, you're jumping in or we're leaving. We're just going to pack up and we're going to go somewhere else. <sighs> what do you do? When you know where you want to be, when you know where your father wants you to be. When you can see where your father is at. And yet you do not want to take that step. Can you remember that feeling? Maybe it's not on the side of the pool. Maybe it is right here and right now in your life as you're thinking about taking that next step in following God. When you're thinking about taking that next step and getting out of a destructive relationship. When you're thinking about taking that next step and being a leader among all kinds of followers. When you're looking at taking the next step and being a church of impact. You see, you've been given your instructions. You've been given your instructions by your father. When you reach the water's edge, you go out there and you stand. You go stand in the river of apathy in a culture that says there is no God. 
and you declare he is alive. You've been given your instructions to go stand in the river of racism. And when you see that there are, are other men and women who are being treated as, as less than, then you stand up and you say, no, because my God says that we are all one in Christ Jesus. When you reach the river's edge, you go stand out there in the river of political correctness. And you say, I'm going to raise my family to put God first. And I'm going to make decisions that are not always going to align with culture. And I'm going to do things that are going to sometimes cause me to look weird and different. But it's because I have my focus on God and not on the river. And when you get there the water's edge, God says, you go stand and you, you stand up in the locker room. When everybody else is trying to figure out who the big man or who the big woman is and, and, and trying to show, hey, look how I can talk and look what I can do and look how I can be, you be the one that says, I'm going to stand up for Jesus Christ here and I'm going to speak his name in a holy way. You be the one that goes and stands in the river in the middle of the boardroom and declares this is going to be a business. This is going to be a place where God is honored. You go stand on the street corners. And you go stand in the soup kitchens. And you go stand in the hospitals. And you go stand in the neighborhood. You go stand in the river of recovery. And you go stand in the river of healing. God's given you the marching orders. He's told you what to do. And I know that all of a sudden, Hebrews 11 verse 6 takes on a whole new weight that without faith it is impossible to please God. And I guess this is when we ask, how come living in our sweet spot, how come experiencing the joy of the promised land seems to always involve being asked by God to do something that scares us to death? In order to enjoy the pool, why do we have to jump in? I think it's because we only make it to our promised land by trusting God. There I was. Man, I was scared to death. By this time, my mom had already made it outside. I mean, she had made it outside, and now she wasn't going swimming because she's never put her feet in the water. But there she was to encourage me. She's like, go ahead, jump in. And then every once in a while, she would get on to my dad because don't be so hard on him. I'm an only child, remember? But it never failed that every time Faith would win out over fear. And I would leap. And my dad would be there with his arms outraised. And I would come down and he would step back. <laughs> oh, no, y'all thought this was going to be some kind of God analogy, didn't you? Yeah, where, oh, he catches you and everything. No, 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 my dad stepped back and I hit the water every time. <laughs> and I would come up gasping for air. <laughs> He would go, see, told you you'd be okay. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathon. And the water below that point 
flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all the people, all of them, the old, the young, crossed over near the town of Jericho. Now get this. The water stopped flowing 20 or 30 miles upstream. This means that even though God began working a miracle, the priests who were waiting and walking and stepping into the water and the people out there in the distance, they couldn't see it. It means that the priest kept wading into the flowing Jordan. And friends, there are days when you say amen, and you say amen after pouring your heart out to God, and you open your eyes, and it is still raining. And the river is still flowing. But that does not mean that God is not working. He just might be stopping your river's flow down in Dalton. He just might be stopping your river from flowing in Cleveland. He may be working in Nashville. He might be working in Knoxville in order to fulfill his promise to you. You see, it wasn't, Scripture says, until the priest stopped in the middle of the Jordan, in the middle of the river, in the middle of the turmoil, that they stood on dry ground. So I read this and I realize, Chris, you've got to keep moving forward. Chris, you've got to keep following God's instructions because you will never see God's power on the river's edge. It is only when you wade into the middle of the river that the power of God is seen. Now look, I know that a lot of us, a lot of us like to wait until all the conditions are right, until all the puzzle pieces fit. We like to wait until we are sure and confident in our health and in our wealth and in our ability to, to put God first, and we don't want to let anybody down. But guys, if we spend all of our time waiting for life's rivers to recede, that we will never see God's power and might. Never. You see, I don't need God if the water is ankle deep. And I don't need my God if I can see over to the other side. And I don't need God when I can carefully control every action and every response. And it's true, God seems to call us to follow during flood season. Follow him when the money is tight. Follow him in the midst of a pandemic. Follow him when morale is low. Follow him when public opinion is changing. He asks us to follow him when it's costing us friendships. He asks us to follow him when it means sacrifice. But get this, I still believe that God wants to do great things among us. I believe that God wants to do great things in your life, but we all must be willing to step into the waters. And we've got to stop waiting for them to be calm. And let's wrap it up with this. Guys, you're never going to know what impact your faith is going to have on someone else's life. You're never going to know. A few priests stepped into the flowing Jordan, but because of their faith, millions of people stepped into the promised land. All Israel crossed on dry ground. All Israel crossed on dry ground of the entire nation and finished crossing the Jordan. And you know what? Who is to say that your spouse or your children or your grandchildren, or your co-workers, or your classmates, or your ball team, or your neighbors, or people you haven't even met yet, or this church family will not reap the rewards of your faith, the faith in God that you began to demonstrate today. You don't know the impact that it's going to make. Lou Holtz tells the story of when at the age of 18, he and his good friend Neville Stockdale decided to swim across a portion of the Ohio River. 
They were going to begin at the Chester Bridge and swim one mile, reaching the West Virginia side on the opposing bank. Now, about a quarter of a mile, they were right there side by side, but at the half-mile marker, Neville began to fade. And by three-quarters three quarters of the way across, Neville decided that he couldn't make it all the way to West Virginia. Now, now Lou tried to tell him, look, hey, you've only got a quarter of a mile left to go. West Virginia is actually closer than Ohio. But Neville was afraid. And so he turned around, and he swam back to the Ohio shore. And Lou Holt says that his buddy swam a mile and a half, all because he didn't believe he could swim one mile. Friends, how many steps, how many steps have you taken all around the water's edge all because you didn't have the courage to take one step into the water? You see, somehow, in some way, I am determined and convicted to motivate us, the church family, to charge into the next chapter of our history. And I'll tell you why. I believe the best days with God are ahead of us. And I believe that, that God's people still have a river to cross and a land to inherit. And I believe that we are not saved to stay, to stay safe. I believe that we are saved to be sent. Our mission is to go forward and urge others to be followers of Jesus. And so can I call you this morning to step into the water and to live in the sweet spot of God's promised land. God has given you a dream. Focus on him and not on the river. Prepare your heart before you begin the journey. And if you want to know what it means to walk on dry ground, then have faith enough to step into the water. Church, it's been great to be here this morning. Our year is almost halfway through. And it has been a year that has been filled with ups and downs, and there have been some sunshine today that we've got the rain. But your best days are ahead of you. The sweet spot is here. I just want you to take it. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us all that we need in order to live a life that honors you. We thank you for the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. We thank you for your scriptures that provide guidance to us and direction. We're grateful for your spirit that gives us comfort and encouragement and fills us with fruit that otherwise we would never have. Father, we're thankful for a church family that holds us accountable and reminds us of the person that we are to be. Father, we have all that we need. Will you allow us the faith to take the next step? The sweet spot awaits. Our promised land is there for the taking. May we live life with you, and may it begin today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, we want you to know that as we close out everything today, that we have a prayer room that's in our lobby. If you'd like to speak to one of our elders, one of our pastors, you're welcome to go and spend time there talking about different things that have been said this morning, having a time of prayer. 
If you'd like to talk more about being baptized into Christ, we'd love for you to take that advantage of that opportunity. If you have a prayer request, you can text prayer to 423-455-5530. You'll get a response back. Just put your request in there. And today, one of our elders will see it during the week. It'll be seen by one of our staff, and then it'll be shared with others who will be praying for you. Again, we're so thankful for you being here today. Thankful that you have been a part. Thank you for the encouragement that you've given others who are here.